Combo, combo, combo nation. Can they hear us now? Good. Microphone check. Microphone check. Yep. They can hear us. Combo nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 316 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. That's right. Episode 316 on the last episode. Made a slight mistake. I said episode 215. It was actually episode 315. Apologies. And hi, Mom. (laughs) Today's show, Justin Rowan, co-host of the Chase Down podcast, joins in to talk Cavs, basketball, and more. Go subscribe to the Chase Down podcast, the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers. A quick note before we start this episode, we recorded this one back on November 3rd, so that predates Colin Sexton's unfortunate injury, speedy recovery to him. It also predates Ricky Rubio's 37-point game. Shouts to Ricky. And it predates Jokic's suspension. So when we mentioned Jokic, we didn't discuss the suspension. But nonetheless, a fantastic episode. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You can find Justin on Twitter at CavsAnada. That's C-A-V-S-A-N-A-D. A, you know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. And you can catch me on Twitter at Combo's Court. C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. And of course, share this episode, man. Share this episode. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Instagram. And tag me so I could see it. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. of the Chase Down podcast, the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers. How's that for you, man? How's that been being the official podcaster, <laughs> you and your co-host of the Cleveland Cavaliers? It, it's been phenomenal, man. It's uh, it's fun to be part of the, the Cavs media family. Um, it's it, it was one of those things where, you know, we, we had a, an established thing going in. Uh, they approached us, let us know, hey, we want you guys to continue doing what you're doing. You're going to have that freedom, uh, which... I mean, it sounds great, but then you never know how that's actually going to go when you put it into practice. And uh, we've been fortunate enough for that to be the case. And it's uh, it's been a really great experience. But, you know, this is seems to be a great experience, too, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I appreciate this. Almost definitely. We haven't had a Cav-centric pod in a while. Um, I don't know if we've ever had one. It's been a lot of episodes. <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Okay, the name The Chase Down, is that LeBron influence is that a lebron reference 
You, you know, it, it is a little bit of a nod. Uh, you, you look at so many basketball podcasts and it's always like the crossover or like some sort of basketball play. So if I'm going to associate one play with the Cleveland Cavaliers, the chase down seemed right. And, and we were uh, coming up with this in the spring of 2017. So that memory was still fresh and uh, keeping us warm and uh, fuzzy at night. So uh, it seemed like a, a good fit for the podcast. Yeah, so um, I've actually come up with a LeBron theory lately, and I don't know how you think about this. I think his per-game numbers might not ever actually decline. I think he might just end up playing maybe <laughs> less and less games every year and just getting enough rest so those numbers actually don't go down. It, there's a new iOS update all the time with LeBron. It's uh, it, it's making sure that the the bugs aren't there. It's a, it's actually pretty incredible. And yes. um, I, in the last couple of years, I kind of felt to some extent it may be kind of bolstered by the fact that we were – playing in some version of the juice ball era for the NBA, where there really was that, that freedom of movement um, and the, the defensive rules were, were just making it really tough for, for teams to play defense. Uh, but to see this year where I, I think a lot of that balance has been restored and, and he's still playing so well, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it's, it's hard to comprehend, to be honest. Uh, speaking of defense, we got to talk about Evan Mobley because he cleans up a lot of mistakes for the Cavs. Um, I guess the way the Cavs roster is constructed, it's not ideal for defense. You don't have a lot of wing defenders. Yeah. But, I mean, we cover the draft pretty often here, and it's great to see Evan playing so well. He just cleans so much up on the defensive side. And what strikes me about Evan, like the the thing that comes to mind is always fluidity with him. He's just such a fluid big. And now I'm realizing, like, I think he's going to be one of those stars that everybody's going to want to play with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the gambles that the Cavs made coming into this season was moving on from Larry Nance Jr., who who had requested a trade um, and, and just kind of didn't fit the timeline, right? Like when you're drafting uh, someone third overall to be your franchise player at that same position, uh, Nance probably wanted to, to get another opportunity and uh, they found a situation that works. Uh, but one of the things that you're gambling on there was that Evan Mobley was going to be able to provide that playmaking out of the short role, that decision-making uh, at the nail that Nance was so involved with and was a real benefit to the Cavs when he was out there on the floor. And the fact that he's coming in and already processing so quickly when he gets the ball in those spots, making those decisions out of the short roll, it, it's really impressive. Like you expected um, the the defense to be there at, at least in some form, right? Like you expect a, a little bit of a learning curve when you're talking about young bigs going into the NBA uh, and he's been better than expected. Uh, but he at least has been the the player that you thought he could be, right? Like I, I think he's ahead of schedule, but there's nothing that he's doing that really surprises me. It just surprises me how well he's doing it this early on. So it's interesting. I think there are a few teams that are zigging when the rest of the team is zagging. Like I think the Magic are going with two big lineups. I see it a little bit with the Pacers. The Cavs are definitely doing it. And if somebody <laughs> says it won't work long term, I could see their point. But I think it's really fun. And their chemistry has been really great between Jared Allen and Evan. Yeah, and, and I do think Jared Allen and Evan Mobley can work long term as a pairing. I, I think the unsustainable part or, or the real unconventional thing is starting Larry Markkinen at small forward, right? Uh, going out there with three small forwards or sorry, three seven footers right. um, in your front court. That is unconventional. Uh, that I think that's a product of the Cavs not really having an established wing. And I think long term, that is something that they've acknowledged they need. Uh, I, I think that that's something that they'll look to address at some point. Um, but especially right now, when Kevin Love is still on the roster and 
has been bought in coming in off the bench. I think having Laurie Markkinen out there to provide that spacing at the small forward and open up those minutes for Love coming off the bench is kind of a, a creative way to go about it. I Long-term viability, I, I don't necessarily see it. But when you have Laurie Markkinen out there on the perimeter, he's at least got yeah. some length. He can get out there on shooters. And if he gets blown by, both Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are able to move their feet. They're able to provide that help defense. The rotations have been good in the half court. So I think the defensive versatility of Mo- both Mobley and Allen allows them to be a little unconventional on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, the Laurie experiment seems to be going well. He's providing some much-needed spacing and gravity. I mean, in this league, it, just everybody around the league often give up on young players, and it was, it's just way too early <laughs> when it's even year one, year two, year three, or even year four. So it's really great to see this working, even though it's kind of a funky role for Laurie. Yeah, and I think long-term, like once Kevin Love is off this roster, you have 96 minutes between the four and five position, and I, I think you can easily split that up with Laurie Markkinen coming in off the bench, being sold in that six-man role, splitting his time with both Allen and Mobley. So that spacing that he can provide as a stretch big and his activity and whatnot, I I think that really helps them um, develop two guys that they're really invested in, in both Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. You got two bigs, you got two smalls, and (laughs) I really like both those guys. Like I like Colin since I've seen him in summer league. You know, Darius Garland, we all heard what Steph Curry said about him, and uh, that, that gained a lot of traction. But I want to ask you this. Why is Colin Sexton always in trade rumors? Why is that? I just, <laughs> I mean, he's a good player. You should want to keep him, right? Yeah, and, and I, I think the, the situation wasn't necessarily portrayed in an accurate manner last offseason. Like, um, obviously, with him kind of being up for a contract extension, um, his agency, CAA, they're, they're going to go out there and they're going to try to create leverage right in those situations. See if there are teams willing to pay him and whatnot. But I don't think the Cavs uh, would ever move on from Colin Sexton unless it was to add a member to their core, right? Like to use him as a piece in a larger deal to buy and bring something in. Um, I, I still think even though they didn't come to uh, terms on a, an extension there, he's still someone that they view as part of their future. Um, if they were to move on from him, I, I would I would expect it to be in a large move to bring in someone like a Brandon Ingram or um, another kind of wing to help balance De- yeah, out the roster. De- definitely need the wing on both sides of the floor. I mean, right, I think, right, yeah. But but in the meantime, I, I mean, if you are going to make a smaller backcourt viable uh, in Garland and Sexton, both being six one six two, um, having bigs like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen is a way to make that work. I mean, we saw the Toronto Raptors with, with two guards on, basically under six foot make it work. Utah Jazz, uh, Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, both of them are under six one, right? Like uh, you, we have seen it work, but it just taxes your your front court a little bit and you need to have the right personnel. So um, I, I do think right now what you're seeing is the Cavs looking to make it work, looking to maximize the, the talent that they currently have. And I, I do think even though the counting sets are a little down, um, they are playing better basketball. The Cavs guards are playing really well, better team ball, uh, learning how to play off ball and emotion offense, which I think is good for their growth. So I, I'm excited to see their progress so far. So you mentioned timeline and one might think that Ricky Rubio might not really fit the timeline, but he's playing focused. He's playing inspired. There were reports that he didn't want to be there. That definitely doesn't seem to be the case right now. And to me, <laughs> Ricky was always one of the most underrated players in the league, in my opinion. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and similar to Laurie there. 
Uh, you have 96 minutes between point guard and shooting guard, right? And having Ricky Rubio split his minutes with Garland and Sexton, I, I think is so important. I mean, I, I think a lot of rebuilds in the past, and even looking at the Cavs rebuild post-decision, they didn't have a lot of adults in the room, right? Like there wasn't that veteran leadership. And I, I think that that was something that they were looking to address. Earlier on, it was Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance Jr. provided that role. And then with Nance moving on, getting a vet like Ricky Rubio to help show those guys the ropes, to be a steadying presence, to help raise the floor as the the guards adjust to a new offensive system. I think that has been really, really important for the Cavs' success early on this season, and I I think it's going to pay off long-term dividends as well. Do you feel the Cavs have to run systems when it comes to this lineup because it's such a – with this roster because it's such a unique roster, not many wings, bigs, smalls? What are they running? Like, what what is – what have you seen? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm comparing it to last season where I think a lot of what they did was just kind of leveraging the individual talents, right? Like you would see some spread pick and roll from the top and a lot of guys standing around. This year, you're actually seeing that off-ball movement, right? Like you are seeing facilitating from the high post from Evan Mobley. You're, you're seeing um, more activity off-ball, getting Colin Sexton off-ball touches, right? Uh, using him as a cutter and, and that kind of movement. And uh, if you have a primary action, if you have uh, Garland and Allen running a pick and roll, there's something being developed on the weak side. And that that is just such a deviation from what we saw in the past. And I, I think getting Garland and Sexton in particular used to playing off-ball is so important for them because you, you look at the best offenses in the NBA, the ones that are sustainable in the playoffs, it's not that heliocentric one guy kind of creates for everybody type offense, right? Like it, it's multiple creators, multiple guys that, that can initiate the offense. And I, I mean, you mentioned Steph Curry uh, complimenting Garland. The, there's not a better relocating guard in the league. Uh, so I, I think working on that specific skill set is really going to be to their benefit. Yeah, I think the NBA is trending towards a place where it'll be harder to win in a heliocentric type offense. I mean, yeah, if you have a LeBron, if you have a Luka, it's possible. But yeah. I think team play is going to really matter going forward. I think it's just – it's tough. You almost have to defy the odds if you have a heliocentric offense in the NBA. Yeah, and I can see it uh, for some teams. Like, yeah. the, the fortunate thing for the Cavs is drafting Evan Mobley, who they want to be their Luca, right? Like, they want him to be their franchise player. They got him later in the process, right? Like, they have good young players in Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Allen, all these guys, like, 23 and under, right, that, that they can develop along with him. So it can keep Evan Mobley in uh, a more manageable role, right? Like, kind of learn allow him to not overwork himself as a rookie whereas other situations where you get that guy early in the process and there isn't young talent around them you might as well teach him how to run that heliocentric offense and then eventually bring in other playmakers Atlanta did that uh, with Trey Young right and then eventually bringing in Bogdanovich to to help lighten the load to get other guys that can create offense so I'm not necessarily saying like there's a right or wrong way when it comes to team building Um, but I I do think when you do have multiple guys that can can create it's to your benefit to develop those skill sets early on uh staying on mobile i know we talked about him a little bit already but uh what has surprised you most about his play i mean we knew he was a great defender we knew he could pass the basketball we knew he had pretty good hand um a pretty good handle for a big what has surprised you about his play because i think he's playing really well i i think it's 
it's nothing like no one aspect of his game really surprises me. It's just how well he's doing it this early into his career. Yeah. Like the fact that he can still defend without fouling, which was a real big asset for him in college. The fact that he's doing that in the NBA is impressive. Like uh, I, I was at the game where they played against the Atlanta Hawks and he would be switched on to Trey Young and, and he would stick with him without fouling. And that's not an easy guy to not foul, even under these new rules. Um, the, the fact that they are using him sometimes at the top of a three, two zone, similar to how Minnesota used to use Kevin Garnett back in the day, like the, the responsibility that's being put on him defensively this early in his career. And the fact that he's excelling in those spots is really, really impressive to me. Um, do you, have you noticed that rookies come into the NBA, just more NBA ready, even at these really young ages, what, like maybe like Evan Moley's one year in college it is obviously we saw what Trey and Luca did a few years back. I just feel like we see more of it these days. I, I think so too. And, and it's funny. You, you look at the last few drafts in particular, like 2020 wasn't the strongest draft in terms of like high end talent, but there were great rotation players available throughout the draft. And it almost feels like you go into like the 10 to 15 range and the prospects you're getting at that spot are as developed as the six to 10 range a decade ago, right? Like I, I do think that the player development has got better overall and these guys are coming in more prepared. I mean, look at the, the guys to come out of uh, Florida state, like Patrick Williams, Scotty Barnes, both of those guys came in off the bench and were accepting um, uh, kind of a limited role in college, but they were learning how to play good team basketball. Right. And, and they immediately came into the NBA and impressed. Um, I, I think there just hasn't been enough credit given to the the player development and how much better it has got over recent years. Yeah, I've been high on Scotty Barnes for a long time now. Um, if you want a player that plays defense, draft out of Florida State. They're they're almost NBA ready defenders. And the thing when we were talking about like Evan Mobley, I know he's not Florida State, but just in general, like it's hard yeah. to be an NBA level defender as a rookie. Like that is not an easy feat, and it's amazing to see some of these young rookies get that done. You know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, before the Cavs jumped up in the lottery, Scotty Barnes was that guy that I wanted, right? Like, I, I, I thought that that was a really, really good fit for the Cavs in theory. Um, I'm not surprised yeah. to see him doing so well in Toronto. Another guy who is doing things I expected just at a higher level than I would have expected this early in his career. So uh, th this rookie class in particular seems to be really, really special and I think is going to leave a mark on the NBA for a long time. So uh, let's talk a bit, little bit about the team that Laurie came from, the Chicago Bulls. It was a team that I thought would play pretty well, especially I just thought that um, Lonzo and Zach would be such a dynamic backcourt, uh, and Zach would bring some of that Olympic mojo uh, yeah. to that team. You know, he's, he's doing better on defense. The offense isn't quite there yet to where it's been in the past, but I think he'll get there. Mm -hmm. um, are you buying them as a legit playoff team at this point? Yeah, I, I would consider them to be a lock to, to make the playoffs. So the, in my mind, that means top six seed, right? That you're avoiding the play in. Um, I thought that it was going to take a little more time for them to gel offensively just because you do have guys that were used to be more primary options. Um, but they, they've come out of the gate looking really good. Uh, the loss of Patrick Williams, I think, is going to be felt. Uh, funny enough, the the fact that yeah. they turned down Larry Nance Jr. or didn't have an interest in him isn't looking so good. I, I think that would have been a, a real nice veteran pickup over uh, Derek Jones Jr. But I, I still think that they just have so much firepower, and the fact that they're clicking this early on um, is a really good sign. Like I, I think that what they're doing is sustainable, 
And I, I think you're also seeing the growth that these guys individually have shown over the years kind of come together now that they're in a good situation. Like uh, DeMar DeRozan really, really improved as a playmaker. Like he was doing a great job of that in San Antonio and was going under the radar. Lonzo Ball really rounded out his game, and I, I think he's playing well. Zach yeah. Levine has made big strides as a playmaker. And then Nick Vucevic, I mean, he was obviously flying under the radar in Orlando because everyone flies under the radar in Orlando. So the fact that those guys are all together and clicking right off the bat uh it unless injuries hit or, or kind of the inevitable happens there or or the unpredictable i should say happens um i i would say that they're, they're probably gonna uh finish strong this season yeah that's interesting vucevic isn't even playing at his best right now and yeah. i don't know if that's concerning or that means they have an even higher ceiling it kind of depends on how you look at it yeah, yeah I, I mean, my fear for him was that he was going to kind of get relegated to that like 2015 Kevin Love type role, right, where he's oh. just kind of standing in the corner spacing and whatnot. Um, I, I do think obviously there there's another gear for him offensively. Um, and especially with Patrick Williams out like yeah. it, it's one less mouth and that usage has to go somewhere. So I would expect them to uh, get Vooch uh, more involved. Yeah, they're not super deep. A lot of those guys are going to have to play a lot in the playoffs. And I think that's actually okay in the playoffs. I think it's more about top-end talent on your roster than depth when it comes to the playoffs. So I think, totally agree. Yeah, I think, it'll, I think they'll be more than okay for the playoffs and in the playoffs. All right, so I wasn't buying the Warriors before the season. They're playing really <laughs> well, though. Um, just too many question marks, too many question marks. I mean, they do have – they did get Iggy back, but I didn't think he was going to be the same Iggy. But he's playing really well. Um, Steph Curry is going to be Steph Curry. Draymond, <laughs> you know, he's not the same shooter as he was back in those years. I just felt like they caught lightning in a bottle back then. They had a different yeah. team. And Clay's coming off two injuries. I hope he does great. It's going to be tough to maybe integrate him back into the offense when he's coming off these injuries. Are you buying the Warriors as title contenders? Because to be honest, Justin, I'm not. Not not as title contenders, no. I, I think that they are a team that can make like the second round or or maybe conference finals if things break right. Um I just fear the unknown. I like I, I just can't expect Clay to come back and look exactly like himself. And even if he does, um there's there's not necessarily anyone that really stands out with the in the West. Um Kawhi being out, Jamal Murray being out kind of hurts that top tier. So I, I guess in theory, uh if things break right they can work out, but I, I can't see them winning a championship because even if everything went their way and they made it to the, the finals, um, I just don't think that they can beat kind of the, the best in the Eastern conference. So um, I, I think that they have a good roster. Uh, I, I fully expect them to be in the playoffs and whatnot, but um, I, I don't see them as a serious contender. Who would you have as contenders? I, I, I mean, at this point, I, I'm still giving a lot of credit to the Bucks. I know they're off to a slow start, but I, I do think that they improve their roster and come playoff time, they'll be good. Uh, Brooklyn, you have to give that nod to. Uh, Lakers, I don't feel great about, but at the same time, when you have a LeBron team, one, LeBron and AD in the playoffs is going to get you in every single game. And two, you can have a lot of roster turnover at the trade deadline. This could be a completely different Lakers roster <laughs> in the second half of the season. I mean, as a Cavs fan, I, I certainly saw my share of that as well. Um, so I, I just expect them to be very assertive and aggressive there. And, you know, the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to give the Denver Nuggets a lot of credit. Jamal Murray may come back at some point yeah. this season. But Nikola Jokic is making a case for being the legitimate just no uh no asterisk needed best player in the league right now like he he's playing really really phenomenal basketball yeah he, that's who i had as mvp and i've always been high for a while now on 
the Nuggets. And I do think they have a great chance to win a championship, if not this year, within the next few years out of the young teams. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I completely agree. I, it's, I think they would have had a real good shot last season if Jamal didn't go yes. down. Like I, yes. I thought the, the addition of Aaron Gordon really was, was a The way a they were playing basketball wise. while Aaron Gordon was still there and Jamal Murray was healthy, was it, it was a small stretch, but they looked great. And even Will Barton. Will Barton wasn't fully healthy, right? Like, it's they were missing some guys that would have made a big difference. So uh, I am still taking the, the Denver Nuggets very seriously. And uh, if Jamal does come back, I, I would certainly put them in that class of contenders. Totally agree. Um, so you didn't mention Russ. And you did mention there will be roster changes. Russ will be there, right, for the playoffs, don't you think? <sighs> I mean... There is an Isaiah Thomas-like energy with Russell Westbrook and LeBron. I, I assume Russell will be there because I, I just think it would be tough to, to move on from him. Yeah. Um, but I do not like his fit at all there. Uh, I think they are really going to regret not moving less than they gave up for Russ for Buddy Heald. Like, I, I think that would have been a really phenomenal fit for them. It would have allowed them to retain Alex Caruso, who we didn't even mention uh, when we were talking about the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. He had Buddy Heald and Caruso in there. I, I and probably KCP still. I, I, I don't believe so. he was in the Buddy Heel deal. Yeah. Like you're, you're probably a better basketball club. And I, I think the one positive Russ does have, pardon me, I almost blew a tire. Um, <laughs> one of the things that he does really well for the Lakers that they need is he's an innings eater, right? Like he's going to go out there and reduce that regular season wear and tear on LeBron. And if you're counting on the best version of LeBron in the playoffs, you got to get him there, right? Like you, you can't have him be banged up like he was last season. So I do think that there is a value to what Russell Westbrook brings in that sense. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Russell's fit is crucial. And I've been saying this for months now. He needs to watch Bruce Brown videos and play like <laughs> yes. Bruce Brown. Be a super Bruce Brown. He could, average, he could average 25 points in that type of role if he wants to. And I think it benefits the team. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it, it, the problem is, like, even if he's playing... Like if Russell Westbrook was playing the Houston like style, like where he was basically playing as a center uh, and rim running and whatnot, that would be a benefit. But at the same time, it still isn't addressing the biggest needs for the Lakers, right? Like the biggest, like the Lakers at their best should be with Anthony Davis at center and LeBron at power forward and wings, right? Like have some combo guards, have some guys that can initiate, but most importantly can shoot. Russell Westbrook isn't bringing that to the table. And I, I mean, the playoff decision-making from him has been very poor in the past. So that, that would be something that I'm concerned about. Yeah. I'm just thinking like, I mean, AD could be a plus shooter. LeBron could be a plus shooter. And then you have two shooters with Russ at the five. I kind of, I kind of like it. Like everybody can knock down a shot on the court except Russ, but he's rim running. He's playing that Bruce Brown type basketball. I think, it, I yeah. think it could work. I want to see them try it. I, I don't know if Russ would be willing <laughs> to do it. That's the thing. That that is the tricky part. So I, yeah. I I think they have interesting personnel. We we just need to see how it clicks. Uh, it's also interesting for Frank Vogel to go from being you know a, a very good defensive coach, having defensive personnel, yeah. to having a roster that doesn't really have that. Right? Like it's it's a very very kind of awkward dynamic in LA. Uh, you still kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt because it is in fact both team with still LeBron and Anthony Davis. So y- you would expect them to do well, but uh, it is a very flawed roster. Yeah. So uh, last thing before we get out of here, what should we look, what should we be looking forward to with this Cleveland Cavaliers team for the rest of the season? 
Ooh. I, I think the number one thing to kind of keep an eye on is the the play of the guards. Like I, I think Darius Garland in particular, um, all the talk coming into camp and, and whatnot was that he was looked like the best player on the team. Right. And that breakout didn't happen. He rolled his ankle five minutes into his first game, took a, a little bit of time. But I, I do think that he has shown a ton of growth as a playmaker. Uh, phenomenal game tonight against uh, the Portland Trailblazers in a win at home. Um, and, you know, like if he finds that ability to really pull because that's the thing right his natural tendency is to go out there and create for others to, to get into the lane to, to create shots for Evan Mobley and Jared Allen we know they have great chemistry but if he finds that balance where he's taking eight nine threes a game as well I think that just adds so much to their, their offense that is the main floor or ceiling raiser I should say for their offense right so I, I think Darius's growth is one of the most important x factors when you're looking at the Cavs this season yeah, an exciting young player, an exciting young team. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for joining in. Where can we find you on social media? Where can we find the podcast? <laughs> uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, you can find the Chase Down podcast wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to this, you, you can go find it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cavs Canada. Just slap the Cavs in Canada and you'll find it there. Looks a whole lot better in writing than it does out loud. I apologize in advance for everything I tweet. I'm, I'm annoying as hell, but you know what? <laughs> if I apologize on the front end, it is on you if you're, <laughs> you get annoyed in the future, okay? Uh, but yeah, we, we like to have a lot of fun. I mean, ultimately, I, I like to think one of my biggest strengths is I know what I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not out here to be an expert. I, the, the podcast is all about kind of learning with the audience, having fun, keeping things in perspective. Cause at the end of the day, basketball's escapism is supposed to be fun. And I would not still be doing this if I, I just didn't love the game. So uh, it's, it's fortunate for us that there is a lane where people that just love basketball can just love basketball and, and people like that. Uh, there, there doesn't seem to be enough of that in the current NBA media landscape. So uh, we, we try to have a lot of fun. Have fun. I like that. I like that. That's, that's always a good thing to do to have basketball is beautiful, right? Like yeah. my God, it, what, yes. what a great game. <laughs> best sport in the world. Best, yeah. best yeah. thing, best thing in the world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, let's, let's go all the way there. I, I'm here for it. <laughs> Justin, thank you so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the hey. show talk soon yeah absolutely have me back anytime appreciate it man there it is another episode of combos court is in the books big shouts to combo nation for tuning in big shouts to justin for joining in we appreciate you combo nation don't forget to rate review and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to combos court don't forget to share this episode share it on twitter facebook LinkedIn, share it on your IG stories and tag me at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 317. Combo out.